Shalom, good morning. This is Radio Shalom coming to you through Planet FM 104.6. Shalom, Rabbi Altshul. Shalom, John. Well, we have Rabbi Altshul in the studio this morning. And we're going to have a chat about the Jewish calendar, about the life cycle, about what we believe, why we do things. As the rabbi has just told me at the beginning of life, there's mother, father, and God. Let's go from there. (laughs) Father, uh, okay, okay. You just launched me like that. Um, No, the idea is that... The story is brought in, 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 in a baraita that there are three partners in, in creating a child. There is the father, there is the mother, and there is the substance that God gives. Father gives the white parts, the mother gives the red parts, and God gives all the spiritual things in between the soul, others. And that's the way a life is built. Of course, we all know that biology makes it a little bit more sticky. But in principle, that's how it is. Um, beautiful thought is that um, from from the words of, of Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Eliezer, he writes that um, when, when God created man and woman, um, he put his divine letters, letters from his own name in between them. Because... If you look at the Hebrew word for woman, isha, spelt with aleph, shin, hey, and for ish, for man, aleph, yud, shin. Now, if you take what is called the divine letters, the yud and the hey, which are part of the ineffable name of God, then what have you got left? You've got ish, which is fire. So to say that there is not in the union between man and woman a grain of divinity, if God not is present in their relationship as well, then surely the fires of, um, of uh, should we say, lust, of uh, want is going to consume them. That happens sometimes, you know. There needs to be a great sanctity around marriage. Mm-hmm. And in that sanctity, conceive, of course, child. Three parties comes to the table. Mum and Dad do the hard work, and God delivers. <laughs> Mother does the most. Ah, uh, well, I don't know. <laughs> yes. I think the jury's still out on that one. <laughs> Certainly, when, when you come from where I came from. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Um, and and our, then what happens? A little our, bub comes into the world. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, please God, it's a healthy, strong, beautiful little bub. If it's a boy, well, our custom dictates tradition, religion, that we circumcise on the eighth day. That is, of course if the child is healthy. Uh, in northern and very southern countries, um, the child lacks the vitamin D because the mum lacked the vitamin D and therefore they sometimes get jaundice. And a jaundice child can't be circumcised, so you wait. So my oldest son was circumcised, on, I think, on the 21st day because that was when he was fit enough to, to uh, go through and with the, it. And the reason why? Why do we circumcise? Mm. We circumcise because it's the, it's the symbol of the pact. You can say, why would you want to um, change something which is obviously perfect? Well, I've got news for you. The world is not necessarily perfect. And even though... 
man is uh, mankind is is the the final pivotal point of creation um quite frankly if we look around us we know that we're still wanting and not that we are the ones who are going to complete god's creation or anything else but the, the, the sign of the covenant between abraham and god the circumcision that god commands him to do is our way of saying we can live up to this we are a member of this um project that it is ongoing project to make the world a good place and that was uh, abraham's covenant and and we're just continuing it thousands and thousands of years later um that's what covenants are all about mm-hmm. isn't it don't we stick to covenants i mean just because the uh, uh conventions of the un were signed 50 years ago doesn't mean that we have to ignore review them. them or ignore them or anything else um the god's promise to abraham to his descendants as plenty as the stars and the sand on the beach uh includes us and that's why we circumcise it's also the only mitzvah you carry with you everywhere even in the <laughs> bathhouse if you're a man of course we don't we don't circumcise women um we don't use that um so for girls generally they will be named at a ceremony in the synagogue um within the first week of their life the father will be called to the torah and his daughter will be named um on um other occasions it is done the first time the mother is healthy enough and fit enough to come to the synagogue because prayers will also be read for her and for her full and complete recovery after childbirth we have to remember that childbirth only in modern times have become something less associated with mortality uh, unfortunately just and i mean in, in most of the third world today still childbirth is a very very dangerous uh, project to entertain um that's why all children should be grateful to their mothers for for the gift of life and that they survived and so the the circumcision is done by a specialist yes a mohel is is a highly trained specialist they have to learn uh anatomy and they have to basically learn a specific surgical procedure uh and not that they practice on on anybody but else but they they it, it's as much a fact not as as simple as, as one would think and it is taught on the highest level both from a medical point of view um and from a traditional point of view uh, but most mohalim they have to uh, do internships at the hospitals and so forth and so on and and it, it's quite a long process uh in which they learn it um of course then, there aren't two people who are created alike so therefore um, the more practice a mohel has the better generally they become um and they do many of them do a very very good job and then there's the aftercare normally um the the wound is healed within 2 or 3 days and then and the custom is to give wine well you give the bab a little bit of wine uh, mostly because wine again is, is associated with blessings first blessings this is this is the gratitude of noah after the great flood you know uh, god gave him the wine so that he could make him um, a sign that he would rejoice over the saving of the world and and we uh, celebrate a new world created in a little child 
and we give them a few drops of the mm-hmm. wine, either on the uh, pacifier or on a piece of gauze. Um, piece of gauze. Yes. <laughs> um, the, 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 normally, there's not much noise. Mm-hmm. It, it's different from, I mean, I've been present at, I don't know, more than 50 Britain Mila in my life. <coughs> Sometimes the bub says a lot. Sometimes they don't bother saying a word. <laughs> Not even a squeak. And then as soon as it's all over, because it doesn't take very long, they, they, they are sent to the milk bar um, where they can enjoy the plenty of mum, mum's bosom. And it's a, a time of celebration for the family. It's a, it's a time of great celebration. Uh, of course, the second is older. And you, you look around and you see all the grown men standing around there and, you, you know, one, one is paler than the other because <laughs> even though none of them remember it, they, they all went through it. And, and you know the relationship that most men have with, it, with their extremities. Um, they are slightly pale, just uh, considering the thought of what's happening, but... Uh, afterwards, everybody, you know, of course, cries Mazaltov and the dancing begins and <coughs> beautiful kiddush or spread of, of, of food and celebrated. Uh, and it's a day of joy. There are special prayers to be included on days where you have uh, a Brit Milah. You don't say Tachanun. You don't say the prayers normally associated with the declaration of of sin uh, that we say every day, you know, I'm sorry for, for what I've done in this way. Mm-hmm. On these days, any sad things aren't said if the moil the fa- or the father of the child is there. Um, and that's a beautiful thing. It's surely a day to rejoice. And so, but the girl has a naming ceremony. Has a ma- there, there are several ways. And in, in, in modern times, because of the, as you always so kindly point out to me, uh, the, the inequality between, I mean, thank God the inequality between men and women in this case, um, but mm-hmm. the, the Brit Milah is a ritual obligation and a mitzvah. Uh, the celebrating of the birth of a girl, not so much. Um, so therefore there are... Um, Compensations. So there are several, <laughs> uh, should we say, in some communities they did mm-hmm. it, a sahibit bat, um, a... Um, a celebration for a girl, and that will very often also be celebrated on the Shabbat with lush food and 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 songs and everything else, and and where the little girl is welcomed to the world and given her name. And then the next milestone, you have to wait. No, I don't have to wait for more than than thirty days. And if, if it's a boy. If it's a boy, yes. <laughs> and, and, and furthermore... It has oh, the first boy. And it has to be a firstborn boy. And it has to be Peter Rechem Imo. It has to be the one that opens up his mother's life. So a child born uh, through a serin section or um, a child born after, God forbid... Um, consecutive miscarriages, for example, is not considered uh, firstborn. And therefore, a pigeon haben is not done. Uh-oh. So that means that only one in ten boys or something like that will have a pigeon haben. It's very rare. If it's a Zerian, it's not done. No, because he, he's not Peter anymore. He goes out the other way. <laughs> he goes out through the escape hatch. Right. Uh, 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 he should be the one who opens his mother's womb. And yes, they do open the womb in a cesarean. They just don't do it where it was intended to be opened. They go in from from above. So, so if it's a girl first and a boy second, he's not a firstborn. He's a, no. uh, so it's not just a firstborn boy. 
Yeah, well, there's it's no ceremony be because what 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 this is this is again. You see, this is here where I ask for mm. fairness. What what's the whole point of firstborn? It says every firstborn belongs to God. Everything of all the kosher animals, all the donkeys, and of mankind belong to God. What does it mean they belong to God? That means that every firstborn boy who opened up his mother's womb should go and serve God in the temple. And when he says serve, it's including the cleaning, the washing, the setting up for festivals, the shopping, all of those things, that should be his job, right? So a boy, if you're... The father would say, why do I give away my first boy? You know, he has to go to the temple. He has to work for the Kohanim and the Levim there. You know, I need them at home on the farm. And that's why the institution was that you can buy him free. And with what is close to five ounces of silver, you um, donate those five ounces of silver to the temple. I'll take to any co- opportunity. Well, of course, <laughs> to, to rise to rise a yeah. So today, the ceremony of Pijon Haben, you have a Kohen, and the father procures the five silver coins. It can be done with money as well. You don't need the Afka, the five silver coins, but we do try to use silver coins. Um, the, the New Zealand Mint makes some beautiful silver coins that can be used for the purpose. I have five of those with a silver fern on. Um... And I bring a Cohen because I'm not a Cohen. So I need to, my assistant is a Cohen. I'll bring my Cohen assistant and he does it. And then very often the little bub now 30 days old is carried in on a tray filled with uh, even just plastic pearls and... and, and uh, Sweeties. Uh, sweets and whatever, yeah. you know. He's carried in like a little mm-hmm. prince on a, on, a, on a cushion on a tray yeah. adorned with colorful and bright things and a lot of bling. And then um, the father says, this is my firstborn. He opened up his mother life. Uh, please let me keep him. Um, here are our five silver dollars. And the Cohen replies, I shall take those five silver dollars instead of your son. You can keep him. Bring him up to be a good boy. And again, associated with food, with, with happy occasions. Uh, it's only happened in, in the, the bit more than two years I've been here in New Zealand now. Um, it has happened once in Auckland and twice in Wellington. And that's in two years. I mean, and we don't, but even in, even in, in, in major Jewish centers, it's, it's, uh, it's uh, something that doesn't occur that often at Pijon Haben. And then originally for Pijon, the Pijon, you also had a Pijon for donkeys. And uh, uh, for, for a calf, uh, you know, normally a calf would go up and be sacrificed in the temple. But um, well, I'm glad that's finished. <laughs> well, we needed something for the barbecue. Yeah, right. And then after that, there's a wait of 12 years. Yes, 12 years for the girls. So, so the whole idea is when does a child come of age? Um, well, for girls, we, we recognize the fact that, that women mature earlier than boys. They generally remain more mature throughout life, but uh, women become mature before the boys do, mentally, physically, and therefore at the age of 12, a girl qualifies as an adult according to uh, religious uh, prescription. And she has a bat mitzvah. Yes, she has a bat mitzvah, and there are many ways that can be done. Um, of course, the reform does it in one way. The girls read from the Torah. Uh, the Orthodox do it in another way. The girl gives a Devar Torah, a speech uh, related. The Orthodox used to have it that the girls had to do it in a group. 
Yes, that was the Bat Chayil ceremony. Yeah, yes. instead of having the individual, I hear you. which they were very resentful. If the boys can have it on their own, why did they have to be in a group? Mm. That was also different from community to community. Mm. But that's true that the Bat Chayil ceremony, that was, I think that was um, one of the things that um, I think the Gentiles, the Christians certainly also do it in groups. And it was one of the things that was sort of, we didn't have anything for the girls really. And then we borrowed something that was copied from a a uh, Christian idea uh, of, of doing all in the same year and all at one time. Um, instead of focusing on the individual child when their age came. Um, but now they give it to a, child, to a girl on her own. She doesn't yes. have to go in no, a group. She doesn't have which to Which is go. a big... It's a big improvement. I think, I mean, obviously if you look on women's lip side or equality <laughs> or whatever it is, which glasses you're wearing today, Joan. Um, yes, I, 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 as a matter of fact, I know, I know of one year in my own community where um, they didn't want to do it individually. And the girls themselves, there were only four girls that year. And they asked for a batrio because they were so close together and they wanted to share the day. Well, but then it's their choice. That's good. That's correct. Yeah. That's correct. Okay, so but what's the the um, re- rationale of bar mitzvah, bat mitzvah? Well, uh, it's not completely clear where we have the idea, um, but these are the ages prescribed in, in, in the Gemara uh, at what time a person comes of age. So for a girl, that's 12, and for a boy, it's 13. And just like there are many ways a girl can do it, the fact of the matter is the second you get to your 12th Hebrew birthday and you're a girl, you're a bat mitzvah. Whether you have the party, whether you give a davar Torah, whether you do a bat chayil, whether you stand on your head and recite the first 20 pages of the Torah, it doesn't matter. The second you hit 12 years according to the Hebrew calendar, you're a bat mitzvah. And the same for a bar mitzvah. You know, the whole calling up to the Torah and this and that. So it's the first time he's obliged to perform that mitzvah and it's therefore we call him as the first thing. We call him by his name. We give him a title on the day. We call him rabbi and everything else even though the boy can barely read. And, <laughs> and, and we call him up and he does his thing. Sometimes they just say the blessings. Sometimes they read a piece from the Torah and the prophets. Sometimes they do all of it. Sometimes they conduct some of the service. There is um, millions of different ways it can be done in. Um, the most important thing is that the second the boy hits his 30th, 13th Hebrew birthday, bam, he's bar mitzvah. And he is obliged to observe the commandments. That's really what it's all about. It's not about the party. It's not about what goes on in the synagogue. It's about the fact that he is now responsible for his own actions. To this day, to some degree, to some extent, he could just say, talk to my father. He's in charge. Mm. I'm free of all sin. Okay, it's not that posh, but it's not that simple. We will, but we as parents have, of course, a role in bringing up our children and telling them what's right behavior and wrong behavior. And hopefully, by the get to this age, they will more or less have mastered it and they will understand empathy and they will understand what's right and wrong. And from then on, well, just like getting your driver's license. When you, when you get your driver's license... You're not a Formula One driver. <laughs> you can get the vehicle to move around and you don't uh, damage anything. The same with a kid. When they get the bad and bar mitzvah, well, they know the principles of living a good life, of doing the right thing. 
but now they got to go and practice and perfect it. The difference is that now it sticks to them. It's their responsibility. Of course, they still need help. They don't. They don't move from home. They don't uh, get their own life. You know. Um, I think the main thing is that the congregation recognizes them that they've made the transition and they then feel a member of that congregation instead of just an adjunct as they were as children. Possibly. And I think that that is the important bit of the transition thing is is that feeling that you've joined the adulthood before you're 18 (laughs) but you're you're a full member of the congregation and I think that's a very important message of belonging and and I think that's one of the things that everybody needs is that feeling of belonging to a group. I tend to agree with you. It's certainly mm. something to do with that. But it's also got something to do with understanding that you're still within the protectional mm. circle of the small community, first of the family, then the community, and yes, mm. you belong there. Mm. And here you can try out life, try on life, and try to set it straight so that when you are faced with the world at large, you will have a comfortable basis to face it on. It's also that then you take on responsibilities. Yes. And understanding that freedom comes with responsibility. Mm. It's not for free. That's not why Mm. they call it freedom. (laughs) Okay, so that's uh, taking up to Bar Mitzvah and Bat Mitzvah and it also... Uh, reminds the parent that the child is growing. <laughs> yes, absolutely. We can all see that. And uh, so the next stage, Rabbi? Well, the next stage, obviously, would be a wedding. Um, that's normally the next thing. I mean, in modern Western European world... Um, People live together, get three or four children, and they get their married. And it's sort of never really been the Jewish way. We sort of got married first, and then we did all the uh, <laughs> all the other things. What is this? she says in 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 Mel Brooks' version of Robin Hood, Men of the, uh, Men in Tights? She says, "No ding ding without the ring." <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, but I, that's in an ideal state. The institution of marriage has changed. With the culture, really? No, not really. Not really. It says in, in Bereshit that because men and men and women were split in part, I mean, if you read the Torah, uh, the Tzela can be the whole side of Adam, and maybe Adam and Eve was really connected originally, and God just split them into two, and that's why they will always be drawn... Searching for each other. Searching for each other. <laughs> and, uh, and, and they will come together as one flesh. Um, no, I was thinking that... Uh, previous times, uh, they got married far younger than they do now. Correct, correct. Oh, well, so Judaism a, has. Yeah. I mean, in in, in maybe uh, two, three thousand years ago, yes. But mm-hmm. it, but in Judaism, it's always been custom to choose somebody who knew more about what they did, and therefore you wouldn't marry them at, at thirteen and twelve. Uh, I, I know mm-hmm. some North African Jewish communities mm-hmm. did that, but they generally tried to wait for a bit later. Uh, they did so in those communities simply to protect, uh, especially the women who would be up for grabs if not they were married. 
and which therefore is still then, in Africa today. Which is still the same in Africa fun. today, yeah. yes. And in, in, certainly in certain Muslim countries, you know, you married them off and then they, they become forbidden to any... We read about that uh, in, 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 uh, in the Torah even, that, that it's considered bad uh, karma to, to approach another man's woman, uh, another man's wife. Somebody's wife, what do you call it? Um, but it was also, I think, different customs in different parts of the country with, with, with marriage, you know, depending on what country the people were living in. Yes, but the, there, are, there are basics that are the same. That's because they're, they're described in Talmud. So there are three ways in which you can marry. You can um, give the woman a fiscal sum, dowry, whatever you want to call it. Um, you can sign a contract, a social contract, which is what the kitubah really is, and then you can uh, go into a room and have two witnesses that you were alone in a dark room together. Um, whatever, they were just playing cards. Um, but um, but that's... The, and that's basically those were the three fundamental ways of getting married. Now... You would have a, a betrothal first. In old days, betrothal could be a whole year before the marriage ceremony, especially if they lived in, in separate communities. Um, but they've been been put together now. So we have the betrothal with the signing of, of a contract, that's the kitubah. And the kitubah, the wording of the kitubah is around 2,500 years old, 2,500 years old. And it's a pretty... A modern piece oh, of... that's what I thought. Yes, it is. It is. But it's 2,500 years old. It's yeah. written in Aramaic. And in it, it says that a man has to make sure, not only that he puts food on her table and clothes on her body, but as a matter of fact, it also says that he had to satisfy her in the sack. <laughs> now, in, in those words. <laughs> no, not really. But it says that he has to purvey mm-hmm. for conjugal pleasures. Mm-hmm. Um... And some women would argue that, that according to halakha, as a matter of fact, a woman can can um, claim for file for for divorce if she's not satisfied <laughs> because it's a breach of contract. That's that's highly controversial, of course. Um, but a lot of the marriages were made through families or through shatkin. Yeah, okay, so so what's good, you yeah. know, infatuation is one mm. thing, but people who know you from the outside, who know. Uh, who you are and what you stand for, what family you come from, they are sometimes able to couple people up and get mm. them together. Uh, yes, definitely arranged marriages uh, has been part of Jewish history, but, but, and, and the pressure, of course, the social pressure has been there. I do think that there has been a greater um, possibility of free will and, and the choice maybe in, in some other cultures, but, but that's contentious discussion, of course. Um, a shidduch is a shidduch. God makes shidduchs. <laughs> you know, there's two things God looks after, and one is shidduchim, and the other one is giving rain to the world. Uh, so it's important. Making shidduchim is a very important thing. Um, a matchmaker. Uh, so, He's doing God's work. Uh, that is God's work to a large extent. And then, um, just going through the marriage ceremony is, um, bride and groom, you know, they're treated like king and queen, and, and before the marriage ceremony itself, the contract is, is signed by two witnesses not by the groom himself. He doesn't sign it. No, he gets two witnesses to sign on his behalf that they, as guarantors almost, that he will be able to do what it says in the contract. Mm-hmm. Now, legally, then he's, he's married. Then they go under the chuppah, 
And the chuppah, of course, is the canopy, the wedding canopy, which is open on all four sides, s- signifying the new Jewish home about to be built, just like the tent of Abraham, open on all four sides, uh, a hospital, new home, a new world created. There are many ways and so many traditions and so many rituals that it would take us hours to describe what's done at the difference. But then we go through the the part of, of, of uh, betrothal, so to speak, where also a ring is presented. Now, the ring here is the dowry. Technically, it doesn't have to be more than that famous pruta, that famous washer from Bunnings, but um, generally it's a standard, nice, uh, smooth ring of some kind of uh, valuable metal. Silver ring, gold ring, platinum ring, uh, as long as it constitutes that minimum uh, value. And why does it need to be smooth? Because you want the marriage of these young people to be smooth. And the boy gives the ring to the girl. And here again, customs differ. On some customs, she holds onto it with her index finger. Mm -hmm. In other customs, she has to move it from her index finger to her ring finger to show that she's accepted the, the marriage. And then the uh, last part of it, so of course, then we have the se- seven blessings read, and then we have the last part, which is the chedechut, where you go in to a room together. Bride and groom very often fast on their wedding day. It's a personal Yom Kippur. This is where they begin their life together. Well, we're going to stop there because we're going to go back on the next program and uh, go through some of those different marriage customs which you mentioned. And uh, thank you for listening. Don't forget to listen next Sunday at 10 past 10 when Rabbi Altshul will be speaking more about marriage and what's expected and what isn't expected and completing the life cycle. <laughs>